Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Pray. Father, we thank you that we are able to come here and gather to worship you. And Father, as the pastor comes, we ask that our hearts will be attentive to your word because you want to speak to us. Father, meet us at our point of need. We ask, Lord, that you will go right there. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who knows all and can see all. And Lord, you know exactly what we're in need of. So we pray for this this morning. Allow the pastor to decrease and for you to increase as he brings forth the word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. I believe that, I declare that, I remind us of that, I encourage you today as we uh, take a look at the Word of God to, uh, to just continue to, to speak that language uh, both to God and reminding yourself about God. Um, we're going to continue on in our series, this is part two of a three-part series. Next week, Pastor Charlie will be rounding out this series as we talk about what does it look like to put God first in our lives. If you missed last week, I believe we're going to try to remedy that to get it up online. And, uh, and that'll be a really good thing. You can catch up on it. But today we're going to be talking about how heaven and earth kind of meet together, and they meet together here. When I say here, if everybody could just do this with me, just hands out. Ready, ready, ready? Here. Here. All right, don't hurt yourself, but here. They meet here. The person of you is where heaven and earth meet together. And so we're going to take a look at that. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So you'll be able to find that when we get ready to look at it, 1 Corinthians 15. That would be really awesome. You can follow along with that. And while you're turning there, I do, uh, I do have two other reminders I want to pass on to you really quickly. Uh, the first is, if you have not yet filled out one of these, you're going to cost us 58 cents to send you something in the mail again so that you get one. So if you have not yet filled out one of these, uh, here in about a week, you're going to get another one of these in the mail, which is going to cost us money to send it to you. So we'd prefer you go ahead and fill it out now and uh, not have to send you one. If you lost your pledge card, we have extras available. You can just fill it out and drop it off to uh, drop it off in the offering plate, drop it off to uh, any of our church leaders. They'll get it into the right spots, whatever, however you want to do that. We need to get that information from you, um, and we're kind of rounding down to the end of the time which we're collecting those. So if you haven't filled one out yet, please make sure we get that from you. Uh, again, if you, it's just stewardship. It helps us save, not have to, have to mail it out to you again tomorrow um, or again next week. And then the second thing is we, are, uh, we have a congregational meeting coming up, so I need to say this two weeks in a row, so this is week number one. We have a congregational meeting coming up, and that congregational meeting will happen on Sunday, the 26th of January. So that's two Sundays from now, the 26th of January, we'll have a meeting following worship, so right after worship we'll have a congregational meeting, and the purpose of that meeting will be to receive the nominations for elders and deacons for the new year. And so the nominating committee has been at work. The uh, invitations have been made. Folks are beginning to consider those invitations. And we will be prepared on the 26th of, June, uh, 26th of January to present to you a slate for, uh, for votes for nominations of elders and deacons for the new year. So excited for that. Uh, with that, there's also a, uh, a new members class that is happening concurrently. And so if you have been uh, thinking about becoming an actual member, that means like you want to say, hey, like this is going to be my church home. This is where I'm going to be. I've been around. I've been visiting, whatever. I'm here all the time, and I've never gone through the membership thing. If you're wanting to do that, that membership class will start next week, 
It'll start next Sunday before service. It'll be at 9 o'clock from 9 to 10.15 for the next two Sundays. Um, it'll happen both of those times. You'll need to attend both of those service, both of those classes, and that would be great. So if you're wanting to do any of those things, you've heard it here. You'll see it in the bulletin again next week. Congregational meeting on the 26th. New members will happen. Um, new members classes are happening next week and the week after. So that's it. That's it for the end of the announcements. Let's get back into the Word of God. Bless your Word and allow it to land well in our lives, Father. Allow this to be something that is applicable, that makes sense for us to, to take and wrestle with. God, I appreciate and I value uh, the way in which your Spirit speaks and translates your Word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're at. I, again, I hope you're there with me. You'll remember last week, uh, you might remember last week that we kind of gave you this phrase to hang on to for the week. Maybe, maybe you recited it once or twice, but um, the phrase was this. It was, it's, we said, be fully present when you're in the full presence of God. Be fully present when you're in the full presence of God. And we looked at the story of Mary and Martha last week, and we talked about how there was a the right time to just be able to sit and be, be, you know, be saturated by God, just to, to be, be in front of God and allow God to just kind of wash over you in that time. What a, what a special moment that was. And an and encouragement for all of us that when we find times like this where we're gathering together and we're expecting God to be present, for us to be fully present in those times, sometimes that means we got to kind of set aside the distractions. We got to take off the Apple Watch. We got to, you know, put the phone on silent. We got to send our kids somewhere Somewhere else, whatever that is, that, was, that, that part was a joke, the kid's part, whatever it is, <laughs> okay, forget it, <laughs> you don't understand, but when I was, when I just turned around during worship, I looked, I was like, our pew just like, <laughs> like it was like, you know, like, anyway, anyway, it was great, it was great, it was beautiful, and, uh, but I wanted to be fully present with God in that moment, and I realized that being fully present with God in that moment meant being fully present with the people of God that he had placed on my pew. Amen? Amen. And so I, I enjoyed that moment with them. Um, but today I want to I give you another one. I want to kind of share with you a little bit about where we're going today. And so I'll give you the tagline for today. Together, let's be reverently waiting for God to do the amazing. I'm going to give it to you again. Let's be reverently waiting for God to do the amazing. I'm going to give it to you one more time. Let's be reverently waiting for God to do the amazing. Here we go. Um, can you think of something that seems impossible? Impossible. Anybody can think of anything that seems impossible? Come on, come on. Who's got an idea of something that's impossible? Good sleep. Good sleep. <laughs> Boy, you hardly know. That is so true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good sleep. All right, what else? What else? Something that seems impossible to, to, the, to the young parents up in the top. Good sleep seems impossible right now, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But what else seems impossible? What else seems impossible? Pray. What is it? Pray. Praying seems impossible. Yeah. Praying makes things possible. Amen, amen. Praying makes things possible, and maybe when we pray, the impossible things become possible. What else seems impossible? World peace seems impossible. What else seems impossible? Come on. Getting together with some of your friends who you haven't seen in a while. That does seem impossible sometimes. I, I see where you're going there. I, I see a theme happening over there. I saw a hand in the back. Go ahead, Alex. 
Are you already recording this message? I'm not repeating that one. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to put me on blast. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weight loss seems impossible sometimes. What else? What else seems impossible? Hitting the lotto seems impossible sometimes. All the time in my life, at least. <laughs> but if, if it becomes possible for you, I want to know you. That's good. Um, anybody else have any other ideas? If something seems impossible. So, no, no, everybody else, everything's possible for everybody else. Nobody has anything in their life that just seems absolutely like I, it's not going to happen. You get to every state in the continental United States. Oh, that would be good. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Crawford wants to walk to every state in the continental <laughs> United States, which that would be, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, all right. All right. So there's some things out there that seem impossible. What, but, but you, you, you know right away where I'm going to go. Like, what if, what if we serve a God who is big enough that says, that there is actually nothing that's impossible. What if we serve a God that's big enough who says, you know, like, what seems impossible to you is at, the, at my command? That'd be pretty amazing, right? It'd be pretty great to think about that, right? What if we, what, what if we had these things and say, there's just no way that that could, be ha- that that could ever happen, and, and yet we served a God who was like, no, there is a way that that could happen, and and watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. We, we can readjust our, our lens to think about God in that direction or to see God at work in that direction. Be reverently waiting for God to do the amazing. First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's talking to the church. And uh, he's kind of winding down the letter. And he, he, he talks about this in this passage. He's talking about you know, what, what will happen as God returns. The, as, as God comes back and he, he addresses the conversation about our bodies. Funny you mentioned weight loss. He addresses the conversation about our bodies. He addresses the conversations about heaven and earth and how they'll meet together. And we're going to try to pull out three things that uh, specifically that he talks about here. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and read along with me. But someone will ask, I'm in verse 35 of, of chapter 15, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come in? Uh, by the way, uh, this is just a really fun thing to think about. Like it, it, you know, may, maybe it's different in my life and your life, but to me, it's really fun to think about. Like, you know, like I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, wow, this is good. Like, what's it going to look like when it's perfect? You know, like, nice. Nobody else has done this? Nobody else has dreamt, like, what the Lord is going to do with you? No? Okay. All right, just me. Confessional moment. All right, how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that, uh, that, that will be, but just a seed, and perhaps of wheat or of something else, But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives his own body, its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, and animals have another kind of flesh, and birds another, and fish yet another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly body is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, and the moon another kind of splendor, and the stars yet another. And the stars differ from stars in their own splendor. 
so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there also is a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, and the second man is of the heavens. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have, been bo- have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, the imperishable, uh, and, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. When the the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has has been swallowed in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus. Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's a couple of things. Paul is, is teaching the church in Corinth as he's writing to them. And you got to remember, Paul has planted the church, and the church is, uh, is, is growing, but yet there's this kind of battle of, the, of the, the sacred and the not yet sacred. It's the, it's the ways of old and the ways of new. So the first declaration that Paul makes here is that God makes all things new. Paul is teaching the the church in Corinth that that God is in the business of of restoring, of of renewing, of of fixing. How many of us like to fix things? Anybody? How many of us like to to make new things? New things. You're creative. You're like artistic kind of people. Yeah, I like y'all. I'm not, but I like y'all. That's good. That's good. So God is in the business of making all things new. Now, by the way, Sometimes we get confused between the difference between making all things new and making new things. Let me differentiate here. God isn't making new things. He's making all things new, right? So God isn't saying, hey, y'all are so screwed up, I'm going to go make new things. He's taking all of us that are so screwed up, and he's making us new. 
right? He's, he's renewing this. He's, he's calling us back to our original intent and purpose. He's, he's, he's transforming our lives. He's allowing us to grow and mature. And, and the illustration that Paul gives is all about like the ways in which things are planted and they grow and, and, and how that changes. And, and, and he says, like, ultimately, we don't have a lot of control over it. Someone else is doing it. We plant it, and maybe we do a little bit of work to make sure it doesn't die while it's starting to grow, but, but ultimately, someone else is in charge of watching this thing grow up. Someone else is in charge of making this thing new. Someone else is in charge of seeing that what once was actually matures to become something else. We all understand this. We get this, right? Every one of us can, can remember back when we progressively watch people grow up. Maybe it was somebody you loved. Maybe you were a babysitter. You babysat somebody when you were younger. You know, you can remember back to, to someone entrusted a kid to you, and you were the babysitter for them. And then, you know, like 15 years later, you see them at the grocery. You're like, how did that happen? Like, all of a sudden, they were at the grocery store. You were at the grocery store. You're like, I remember you in diapers, right? Like, you know, and that was just an awkward moment when you said it to them, right? But, but, it, but it still was there, right? But now you're like, oh, wow, like, something happened over that time. You, you grew up. You grew up, you didn't stay like this, you, you matured along the way. Or, or the opposite is true, right? Like may, maybe we've seen people who just have been so rutted that they haven't matured. And they've just been stuck. And you're, you look and you're just like, man, there's something wrong with that. And the reason why you recognize that there's something wrong with that is because you know that God makes all things new. You know that, that, this, that there should be something that is maturing in their life. And it's not, and you diagnose that to say, there's a problem. Maybe you don't know what the problem is, but you're like, there's a problem. Something went askew here because they, uh, they, they, haven't, they haven't grown, they haven't matured, they haven't come to be, right? And so that, that process is God doing it. God is the one who is at work. And, you know, Paul lays out the story about um, answering the question that we were all asking, like, well, what's it going to be like after I die? And, you know, like, and when, I, when I get to the heavens, like, what am I going to look like? And, you know, are, are we all going to be the same age? And all these kind of fun questions that people have. And, and, and Paul's like, no, no, don't, don't, don't miss it. You're drilling down on details that don't matter. What matters is that we understand that God is renewing this, that God is not going to leave you in the situation you're in, that God is actually going to see you through it, which brings up a whole bunch of questions. If you have, uh, if you have your Bible still there, go ahead and flip over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip there. Philippians chapter 3. Let me hear amen. We haven't heard amen this morning. Let me hear amen when you get there. Philippians chapter 3. Somebody go in there with me. Shouldn't be too far from where you were, so you should be pretty close to it. If you get there, amen one more time. All right, we're going to look down to the 20th verse, Philippians chapter 3. But our citizenship is in, come on, somebody's got their Bible. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, this is what he will do. He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glory. 
be in the business of renewing us. He'll be in the business of changing us. That it's only God who can, and, and he started it already. He's already got this thing in motion. I'm not who I once was, but I'm not who I'm yet to be either. I'm on a journey. I'm on my way. God is doing something. He's continually, day after day after day, moment after moment, he is renewing something within me. He's renewing something outside of me, and my life is changing as a result. So is yours, but that will come to an end one day when we're ultimately before God in the full presence of God, when we're fully present in the full presence of God, and we'll be renewed to reflect his glorious being. We'll be renewed to reflect not the ways of old, but we'll, we'll, we'll reflect the splendor, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, we'll reflect the splendor of God and what God has done. Paul says to the church in Philippi that that'll happen, and when that happens, that it will be in a new and a glorious body. So that picture is that God is doing something. He's renewing something. He's perfecting something. He's making something come to maturation, and he's doing that in your life and in my life, and he's doing that in the lives of, of all of us who would surrender or yield our way to the Lord. Last week we talked about putting God first. And we said, you know, there's, there's a place that God desires in our life, and it's the primary spot, and he desires to be before everything else and everyone else, even those things that are really, really good and meant to be in our lives desires to be before those things. And this morning, I just want to say, like, as we do that, as we recognize that, and as we yield that space to God, God cultivates a renewal within each one of us. God brings about in each one of us something that is new. If you got, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to continue in the thought that I was offering, and, and I want to speak directly to someone who might be hurting today. I want to speak directly to somebody who might have some doubts today. And I don't, I don't have to know who you are, and if it's not you, it's okay. But if it is you, I think this word might be specifically for you. God has designed you unique. He is, has no intent to make another one of you. You are uniquely made with the, with the exact design of our Heavenly Father. His choice his desire to create you. So whatever it is that you're sitting in, whatever the doubts are that are racing through your brain, whatever the overwhelming circumstances are that you feel like you're battling against, understand this. God has uniquely created you to be able to both handle that and to be able to lean on him through that. He is not leaving you alone in that situation. And he is not is not leaving you as an afterthought. God has created you unique. We find this in, uh, in verses 39 uh, through 44, where Paul begins to give this illustration. He, t- he talks about the splendor. Matter of fact, look with me at verse 40. He says, there's heavenly bodies and there's earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly body is not the same splendor of the earthly body. And the sun has a splendor, and the moon has another splendor, and, and then there's stars. They have yet another one. The different stars have different splendor. And this idea of different splendor means, the word splendor simply means the reflection of who God has created them to be reflected back to God. He says, he says, he says the image that they reflect back is different, but each one of them, it's a little bit different because they're uniquely made. And he even goes to say, like, like even, even, you can't even just group it as, you know, as a thing. Like, even the stars, every star is uniquely made, and therefore the reflection of God in it is different in, to, to, every, to, be, to each one individually. And I, I think that's true for you and for me. 
Look around. There's nobody in this room that looks like you. What well, is a couple of people who look a little bit alike? But there's nobody who really looks like you. Even if you've been married for a minute. You know, they talk about, they say, um, they say people and their pets begin to look alike. Right? The longer, the longer they have them. Yeah, we got rid of our pets. I, was like, I don't want to look like any of them. None of them. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. But I mean, there's just no one in the room. I mean, you are unique. And, and, and more than unique in terms of how you look, you're unique in terms of how you're wired by God. There's no one else who can do what you do. There's no one else who can say yes to the Father the way you do. There's no one else who can reflect the image of God to those around them the way you can. God has designed you for the moments that he's placing you in. So I can walk into the same space as you, and I can say the same things as you, and it will not reflect the same splendor that you reflect. I hope you hear that today. Because some of us have been doubting what's our worth, what's our value, what's our purpose. Are we needed? Do we have a place? Some of us have been wrestling with, does God really want us on his team? And I want you to understand today, Paul was teaching the church that, that, that uniquely made by God for the unique purpose of reflecting God to everyone around them. <clears throat> Back to the, the point of the message this morning, though. Look at verse 41. When the sun has one splendor, the moon has another splendor, the stars have yet a different splendor. Get this. God is making all things new. Stars are being born. People are coming of life. As all those things are happening, none of those things are the same. God in each one is renewing his purpose and his call. God in each one is, is giving a reflection for them to offer to the world around them. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is this. Please get this. There's a lot of you around, but there's only one of you. There's a lot of us here, but there's only one of me. There's who, who might walk around and might be able to say, yes, I follow Jesus, but nobody will follow Jesus the way you follow Jesus. You're uniquely designed to follow after the king to reflect what God has done in your life to the people in the world around you. I guess what I'm saying to you and to me is we've got a purpose in following Christ that reflected to the world will change the world around us. But we've got to step into that. Last week, we had to be reminded that stepping into that meant clearing the way to say, God, you're first. I'll sit at your feet. I'll listen. I'll soak in everything you got. And then I'll actively get up and do. I'll go out in the world and participate. This morning, I got to say to us again that, that you're uniquely made to be able to do that. And we're going to round this message out, I promise. But, but keep hearing me drill down on this. You are uniquely made to the minute detail of God's plan specific for you. Second thing this morning, God will be right on time. He'll never be late. He will be right on time. I, uh, I, was, I, I told this story last night. I was, I was driving to Pittsburgh one time with, uh, with a group of students, and we were heading out there, and it was, it was just shortly after the invention of the GPS. Well, I mean, probably GPSs have existed for a long, long time, but the personal ones that you could put in your car, you know, you know the ones I'm talking about? You used to sit on your dashboard? Anybody remember when, when GPS is before they were in your phone, before they were in your phone, when they used to be on your dashboard? 
Remember that? Yeah, some of y'all remember that? Okay. All right, so, so, um, so I had the GPS sitting on my dashboard, and I was driving along, and, and one of the students looked at the GPS, and it said that I was going to get out there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and he said, that can't be right. He said, let's go faster. Now, you don't have to convince me of that. Like, you say it, and I'm in, you know, and, and then he gave me, the, you know, gave me the ultimatum. He said, I dare you. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap. And I said, well, when, when you say you dare me, I mean, I, I need a little more incentive. He was like, if we get out there early, I'll buy lunch. That's a bet. That's a bet. That's a bet. You know, so um, I'm, it might, maybe this is, if, this is a confessional moment because I definitely did break the law, but, uh, but I wasn't caught. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> so anyway, so I just, I just hammered down, man. I just, I just foot on the gas and said, you know, like, make sure y'all know Jesus in the car just in case something happens, you know, but we're going. Woo! And, you know, and I just started booking out there. But the whole point was I had, I had, I had kind of made this, uh, what's it called? Like a, a bet with him. That's it. I made a bet with him that the GPS would be right. And he said, no, if you drive faster, we can make it be wrong. And I said, I'll drive as fast as you want and as fast as I can, but I promise you the GPS will be right. If I am correct, you're buying lunch. And so, uh, so I, I let him pick the speed we went, and I hammered down, and we just made our way straight across 76. You know, it's just a long, straight drive, and it didn't matter. Like, our car was bigger than everybody else's. They got out of the way, and so it was fine. And so we're just driving along, and the kids are so excited. Like, yeah, you know, we're rocking out the Jesus music and looking out for cops, and you kind of know how that goes. And, and we're just making our way across the state, right? And, uh, you know, we're, we've, we've, we've managed to move the time. It's supposed to be at 4 o'clock, and it said 3.58, and he's like, see, I told you it's getting better and 355 and 354 and I, you know we can get down to 347 or something like that he's like see I knew we we're gonna get there before it said and just as we got to Pittsburgh you know you can see Pittsburgh on the horizon you know what the GPS did it said recalculating and it just moved from four o'clock to 347 and we pulled in and I GPS said 347 and we're here. And he said, that's not fair. It said 4 o'clock before. And I was like, you don't get it. The GPS is always right. It's always right. No matter how fast you drive, it just recalculates. And I, and I want to say this to us. Like, God isn't necessarily recalculating, but he's always right on time. He's always right on time. You, you can try to get there as fast as you want, but he's always right on time. You can wait as long as you want, but he's always right on time. And even when you don't think he's on time, he's on time. He's on time. You scratch your head and say, God, they told me you was right on time, but this don't feel like on time. And then later on, you realize why he was on time. And you're like, oh, I see what you did there. I get that. Someone today needs to be reminded that God is right on time. Paul tells the story about the time that God will show up when the heaven and the earth will mash together. He tells the story, he says, you know, like, we don't know when this time is going to be, but it's going to happen like that. We don't, know, we don't know exactly when it's going to occur, but we know what's going to occur when it occurs. And he's like, you know, this moment when, when the heavens and the earth collide, when they come together, I want to say this to us today, you are that moment. Let me try to make sense of this theological claim for you. You are the moment when the heaven and the earth collide. 
Because God is fully present in you. So where you go, God is. Come on, stay with me. Come on, stay with me. I'm getting a little bit deeper on you today. Where you go, God is. Only contingent on you being yielded to God. So if you are a child of God, where you go is where the heavens and the earth mash up, where they come together. In other words, when you step into someone's circumstances where life is falling apart, you know what you are? You're God right on time. You are the evidence that God is right on time. You're not God. Don't misunderstand me. You're not God. You are the evidence that God is right on time. You're showing up. You are a card carrier of the living God. When you show up, God is fully present in that circumstance. So get this today. God is right on time. And one of the ways that God shows up right on time is showing up through you. Y'all feel that today? Y'all can handle that for a second. Hold on to that for one minute. God, God shows up through you. Well, if God shows up through me, God will be right on time no matter what time. He will be on time. I promise you that the time when God shows up is when heaven and earth meet together. And he shows up most often, not exclusively, but most often he shows up through the presence of you and of me. But if, if that is true, if that is when God shows up, if that is when we know that God is right on time, then what's my role? What's my responsibility? Get back in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at the end of the chapter with me. Uh, 56, 57, 58. The sting of death is... Come on, somebody get the Bible out besides Miss Lori. Somebody else, come on. The sting of death is... Sin. Sin is the reality. Sin is present. Sin is what leads us away from God and what leads us to this point in which we are doomed, absence of the presence of God. We are without hope. That sin is the problem. The, 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 the sting of death is sin. And the power that sin has over us is the law. But thanks be to God, he has given us victory through Jesus Christ, that Jesus has claimed victory. Now look, if Jesus has claimed victory, if there is victory over sin, but sin still has some power, then somehow the one who has the power to defeat sin has to show up. And I just told you a minute ago, he shows up right on time. You say, well, Pastor Ray, how does he show up on time? He shows up on time through you because you bring with you the keys to eternity because you have in you the living God who has the power to defeat the sin that I'm subject to. You see, what I'm saying is if my life is going awry, what I need is the presence of the living God. And the presence of the living God, more often than not, shows up through the people of God. The third thing I want to say tonight, this, this morning, is this. Would you be reverently waiting for God to do something amazing? Would you be reverently waiting for God to do something amazing? You say, well, well, well sure, Pastor, but what does that mean? Let me help make sense of that. It means this. Therefore, my friends, stand firm. This is the first instruction that Paul gives. He says, Stand firm. He says there's some things that are going to come at your life and they're going to push up against you. How does he want you to stand? Stand firm. 
You say the pressures of life are bearing down on me. I don't feel like I can hold it up anymore. Stand firm. Maybe you need to hear this language. Hold on. Don't give up. I was out camping just recently and somebody had put up a yard sign in front of their RV and the sign said, don't give up. And I I just thought to myself, like, just somebody driving down this road today who just needs to be reminded of, don't give up. I listened to a podcast this morning. There there was a pastor out in, in, in California who, uh, who called into a hotline. He said, the pressures of leading people are too much for me. And he was ready to take his life. And the word that he got back from the counselor who he was on the phone with was, don't give up. Stand firm. At the same time that the counselor was saying that on the phone to him, the counselor with the other hand was typing a message to a local pastor in that same community saying, I need you to get to this address. And while on the phone with the pastor who felt like he couldn't take it anymore and was ready to give up his own life, another pastor knocked on his door and said, I got two words for you. Stand firm. I say to you today, was the pressures of life press in? How, do we, how are we reverently waiting for God to do the amazing? The first step is we stand firm. We do our very best to say, I'm not going to move from this spot, God. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be steady right here. I know things are going to come. I know they're going to be difficult. I know some days are going to be better than others. God, I'm just going to stand here. I'm going to wait for you to do what I expect you to do because only you can do it. I'm going to wait, standing firm. For God to do what only God can. So Paul says, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And then he says this. He says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Pastor, what does it mean to be reverently waiting for God to do the amazing? Number one, be at work for God. Everything I do, God, I do it for you. Everything I do, God, you're the purpose of it. You're the reason why I go. You're, you, you are, you, you're the, you, you undergird everything, every conversation I have, every relationship I'm in, every time I choose, every way I choose to use my resources, God, you undergird all of it. You are it. Somebody once asked me, what, is, what, you know, what does being in ministry mean? I said, it doesn't mean anything different than what you do every day. So I, 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 I'm in professional ministry here, and you're in professional ministry there. Right? It does, it's, it, there's no difference. You work at Walmart and I work at the church. There's no difference. There's no difference. Everything I do, I do it unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. Everything you do, you do it unto the Lord. Amen? Amen? So you have somebody else who signs your church, signs your check that's different than the person who signs mine, but the reality is we both go to work every day because of we're doing it unto the Lord. Right? So God, give me a setting where I can serve you whatever that capacity looks like, whatever that situation looks like. Be at work for God. Second, be at work with God. Now, this takes a little bit of training. See, you see, they see um, there was a video that w- was viral on, on, on social media about two years ago. It was of, of an infant, a small child, maybe a toddler. And uh, the toddler, I, I want to say it was maybe in Australia, but maybe the toddler for the first time was receiving glasses, she put her glasses on. They put her glasses on her for the first time. And you, you heard shrieks of joy as she was able to see clearly for the first time. Just what I'm saying to you is this. like If we're going to be at work with God, we need to have glasses that allow us to see where God is at work. Amen? Amen? And then we run and join him. 
We, we, we don't need to create it. We look for where God is doing it, and we jump in. We say, I see God at work in his life, and I'm going to go over there and be a part of his life because where I am, the, the full presence of God is, right? God is fully present in me, and I take him with me wherever I go. And so I'm going to go, and I'm getting invested. I see what God is doing over there. I'm going to go, and I'm going to get invested. I see where God is doing over here. I'm going to go, and I'm going to get invested. Where I go, I go because I see God at work, and I choose to say, God, I want to be a part of what you're a part of. Amen? Amen. Come on, if you don't see God at work here, stop showing up. Stop showing up because God is at work somewhere. Find him and join him, right? But I say this all the time. I, I live in a city that gets, gets a bad rap, and, and part of the bad rap that it gets, it deserves. But I know this, what doesn't get talked about very much is God is on the move in our city. God is doing some big things in our city. So when I see God at work, I want to join in. I want to join in. I want to say, God, I see what you're doing there. I'm all in on that. I'm all in on that. So Paul is talking to the church, and he says, church, what I'm asking you to do is stand firm, Look and see where God is at work and join in. Join into what he's doing. Third, be at work because of God. So be at work for God, be at work with God, and be at work because of God. Has God done something in your life? Anything. Has God ever done something in your life that was worth saying thank you? Have you ever wanted to say, hey, God, I just want to say thanks? I had this moment, this is the first time as a, as a parent having this moment. I had a moment where I, I, I wanted my kid to say thank you. Where I had done something above and beyond what I normally do, and I, and I, and I realized internally that, that I wanted to hear them say thank you. Now, they didn't say it, and so I duct taped them to the wall, <laughs> and I waited for them to say thank you, and then I took them off. And that's a joke in case anybody's listening, but... <clears throat> They didn't say it right away, and I was like, oh, man, my heart just wanted to hear you say thanks. And then later on, maybe by the coaching of my wife, or maybe not, I don't know, but they came running, and they were like, thanks, Dad. And I was like, yes, this is it. God's done something in your life, though, hasn't he? And look, I get it. God is probably not sitting there looking at you and being like, why didn't you say thank you? He's probably not. He's probably not. But I believe this too. When you do, oh, the heart of the Father. Just imagine you move the heart of the Father. When you just reflect what God has done. So God, I'll be at work because of what you've done. Now when I say be at work, I'm using the language that Paul used here as he wrapped up this chapter. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I'm not saying be at work as in you got to go do, 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 do. Don't walk out here saying, my pastor said I don't do enough. I got to go do more. I got to go do more. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Paul, when he was talking to the church, he said, be invested fully in the work of the Lord and what God is doing. And so God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up because of you. I'm going to show up on your behalf, and I'm going to show up to join with you. Be reverently waiting for God to do the amazing. I mean, we've already seen it. What's that song we sing about amazing grace that saved a wretch like me? God's already done the amazing. 
He plucked you out. He plucked me out. If you uh, follow along with, on social media with me, you'll know that I plugged this week. Um, I, I talked about how excited I was for this weekend. And specifically, I plugged it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come to be. It was maybe a subtle hint I was trying to drop to my lady. But I plugged it. There's a movie that, uh, that came out this weekend that I, I really wanted to encourage us all to go see. And I wanted to go see I want to go see it today. I still want to go see it today. Um, the movie is called Just Mercy. And it uh, stars uh, Michael B. Jordan. Some of you have heard of that guy. If you haven't, you know, he's the Black Panther guy. If you're not a Marvel guy, then he's Creed's son. If you're neither one of those, uh, you know, he's just like, <laughs> I don't know, amazing actor guy. Anyway, but the story is about a guy named Brian Stevenson who is an alum from, my, from, uh, from Eastern where, where Christina and myself and Michelle and some others have graduated from. Um, and uh, and uh, Brian Stevenson uh, was a lawyer down in uh, Alabama and he represents people who are incarcerated on death row. And uh, that's about all the story I'll tell you other than to tell you why I'm telling you that story. I believe God can do the amazing. I believe if God was willing to, to look at me in my wayward state and say, I love you this much, and God was willing to open my eyes to see that and understand that enough that I'd be able to stand here in front of you as wayward and wretched as I have been in life, and be your pastor, then there's nothing beyond what my God can do. There's nothing beyond what my God can do. So whatever it is you're going to face this day, whatever it is that you're standing up against, let me give you some last encouragement. Number one, like Paul said, stand firm. Be ready. The pushes, they're going to come. The weight of responsibility in life are going to weigh on you. Stand firm. Language I use today, be reverently waiting for God to do what only God can do, the amazing, the amazing. I know a God who heals. I know a God who restores. I know a God who fixes. I know a God who, who, who shapes us. I know a God who doesn't give up on us. I know a God who calls us back to himself. I know a God who forgives. I know a God who reminds us over and over again that we are loved. I know a God who desires for you to know those things about him. And I hope that this morning you feel challenged to stand firm, reverently waiting for God to do the amazing. Let's pray. Jesus, what is the amazing that we need to see today? Maybe we're wandering around and, and we, we think we're on our way to freedom, but what stands in front of us looks like death itself. So God, we're staring at the sea and we're saying there's no way we can pass through it. God, we need you to do the amazing. Maybe we're, maybe we're looking at the circumstances of our life and saying they're too heavy for us to bear. God, we need you to do the 
amazing. Maybe we're looking at relationships that are broken and we're saying they're too hard for us to restore them. God, we need you to do the amazing. Maybe we've wandered so far away that we can't find our own way back. And so we're saying, God, we need you to do the amazing. God, we need you to show up. God, we need you to be present. God, we need you to be right on time. And God, that guy standing up there just said you're right on time all the time, but maybe you don't feel like you're right on time to me. God, I need you to be right on time. I need you to know what's coming ahead of me and to stand there with me so that I can stand firm. And and by the way, God, I need you to surround me with some people that'll stand firm with me so that when I am weak, I've got someone to lean on to my left and to my right that'll help me to be able to stand firm. Paul says to the church, don't worry, there's going to come a day, I promise you, with the twinkling of an eye, when God will say, enough is enough, I am back. I am smashing together the heavens and the earth, and new life is coming, and a new day is being. But God, from now until then, renew us, God. From now until you call us on to eternity, God, renew us day and day and day that we would be able to stand firm in the face of whatever it is. Whatever comes our way, that we would be able to be, reflect your splendor to the world around us, God, that we'd be able to say, yes, my God can, and yes, my God will, and yes, my God desires to do it for you and in you as well. God, I believe that you will. I believe that you can. Whatever it is that's amazing, God, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Free somebody from addiction, God. Whatever it is, it's amazing, God. Renew somebody's heart and soul, God. Whatever it is, it's amazing. Call somebody from being lost to being found, God. Allow somebody to bend the knee to you, God. Uh, Employ somebody, God. Get somebody to say yes to something they've been saying no to forever. Invite somebody in, God. Whatever it is, it's amazing, God. We reverently wait for you to do what only you can do. And we believe that you will. We spent last week getting things out of the way, God, to saying, God, this is your space. And now we say, God, in this space we wait. Give us eyes to see where where you're at work and let us join in. Give us a heart's desire to say, I desire to be renewed in you, God. So I wait. I wait for you. I believe that. I pray you believe that as well. If you need somebody to pray with today, you want somebody to walk with you through whatever's going on in your immediate circumstance, we're going to have people up to my left and to my right that are here to pray with you. And so we invite you, please, come up and allow somebody to pray over you. We'll ask our deacons and we'll ask, uh, is Sean still in the room? Is Sean still here with me? If Sean's still in the room, come on up and pray with us. Ask our deacons to come up and pray with people. If, If you want somebody to pray with you, just come on up during this song and allow somebody to pray with you or come up at the end of the service and allow somebody to pray with you. There's nothing that happens other than together we say yes to God. God, yes, on the person's behalf. Yes, we cry out to you believing that you will do the amazing God. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.